0: As you may recall, Bill Gates was the creator of the Giving Pledge, asking billionaires to commit to giving half their wealth to charity. Little did he know, his charity would be called Divorce. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ruthless. Democrats are
1: set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table.
0: You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh,
2: you'll regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think.
1: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny.
2: We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
0: That's
3: a good opener, man. That's underrated. That's really
0: mean, so but that's why I like it.
3: <laughs> I mean, going right after Bill Gates on the day he announces
0: yeah. his divorce. There is no mercy. It's why we call this Ruthless.
3: Holy smokes, that's uh that is ruthless. That is I you know, it's not a good thing to try to be a billionaire tech guy, huh? You're losing your wife left and right.
0: It's so so brutal. I mean, so brutal. Bezos, I mean you got, now Bezos, now this. yeah, Bezos loses half his wealth. Now this it's like it's something in Seattle. If I were in Seattle and had a successful tech company, I would just not get married. <laughs> it's like halving your net worth.
3: Well, didn't I read something about Bezos and his wife ending up with a gym teacher or something like that?
0: Yeah. So, his, his, his uh, after their divorce, I want to say it was like in the past month, uh, Bezos's ex wife announced she's marrying just, just a high school science teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she said, he's going to help me decide how to spend my money on charity, which, man, what a gig. What a gig. Man. I mean, here's the thing is like, if I were Bezos, that would suck, but he's already made up all that money and more, but still, still, even a penny the money you work for and it's like, yeah, this this high school science teacher is gonna help me figure out how to spend the money of yours I took.
3: Look, well, I think you ought to try to marry Melinda Gates.
0: I mean, I'm you know, I'd be open for I didn't even say people for ideas. I'm gonna
1: get in trouble. That's an idea. I'll say that's an idea. <laughs> I would uh I would I would love if Melinda Gates just converted her, her half all into apple stock <laughs> just really, oh, just really own bill <laughs> so brutal
3: or, or if she's brutal. got like totally divergent ideas and their philanthropy and it now comes out that she like hates africa
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, so it, it, it's like look at, so i'm i'm looking up the numbers over here so she's going to it, you know who knows what their settlement what it's going to be like but theoretically, she could end up with around sixty-five billion, right? Which is right in line like with, with Mackenzie Scott or Mackenzie, uh former Mackenzie Bezos at sixty-one billion. It's like, man, that's 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 becoming a trend is joining the sixty billion divorced wives club. It's a hell of well, a club to be in. It's hard earned, pal. She was married to Bill Gates from twenty seven. <laughs> anyway, I mean, here's here's so here's my theory on that is I, you know, here uh, also huge props to Elon Musk. I don't think you can get married when your net worth is north of a hundred billion and have like a functional relationship because at that point, like you are completely unattached to humanity. Like you can't relate to anyone. You're (laughs) like, if if your net worth is north of a hundred billion, you're not going to compromise in a relationship like like on anything be like oh you, you don't agree with what i want for from from Uber eats for dinner there's the door i've got a hundred billion dollars you think i want to put up with this no
3: <laughs> it is true i mean i think that is part of it they're so unaccustomed to hearing no right it, which doesn't totally. change in a relationship regardless of how much money you have that it's, this is kind
0: of inevitable yeah like why would you compromise if you have 130 billion dollars You know, it's like, no, no, I send rockets into space. I don't have to put up with any sort of compromise at this point.
3: (laughs) A sad story to begin. Well, you know, a good story over the weekend. There were several good stories over the weekend that we have to get to. But the first was the running of the Kentucky Derby on time, on schedule. People looking great in the stands. I saw no masks. I thought the whole thing was just an absolute celebration of humanity. Reminded me how much closer we're getting to things.
0: Yep. And remember folks, CDC guidelines, if you've gotten your, your uh, vaccination, get it if you haven't, but you can be free. Don't have to wear a mask outside, even though for some reason, Biden continues to, he doesn't understand how it works. Um, I think there's a lot of libs that don't know
3: how it works before we get into the Kentucky Derby thing. I noticed. So also over the weekend, D.C., the mayor, Bowser, issued this proclamation that she was going to rescind the max or the mask ordinance for people who have gotten the vaccination, right? And and she announced it and it was great fanfare. Everybody was like, wow, that's really terrific. The city's getting back to normal. And then, like, a couple hours later, she just rescinds it. It comes back
0: the other way. She's like, Oh no, never mind. It really has become this insane thing where they never want to take the masks off. Where, I mean, every, if every living human got the vaccine, they'd still be like, well, you know, uh, there still could be a chance that somehow some super, super virus can be transmitted among vaccine people. So you have to be courteous and wear a mask. It's so weird because yeah. it completely contradicts what the CDC, what all the experts are saying. They just want to wear these masks
1: forever. It's becoming, it's incredible, smug, it's it's becoming more social than scientific. And I mean, I can't speak for everywhere, obviously, you know, if you live in a part of the country where people are are rational, God bless you. Yeah. But living in, in Northern Virginia, you know, the thing that I find so interesting, and this is a story that was relayed to me, is that you'll, you know, you'll see these parents in these very liberal enclaves in Northern Virginia who will go out to dinner, um, maskless, You know, there's a a lot of restaurants in Northern Virginia figured out a way to to get people outside. You know, they take a parking room, you know, uh, parking spaces and and set up tables outside and all that sort of stuff. These parents will be out there maskless enjoying dinner as they should. And then they go to the soccer game on Saturday and they got all the kids in masks. Totally. You know, and it just becomes this social pressure thing where it's nobody wants to be the first one to be like, hey, this is crazy, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, totally. it's absolutely I, a social pressure thing. And, I, I've you know, experienced it firsthand.
3: I've seen, you know, I've gone to a couple of parks on the weekends where you watch people walking around and like literally everybody's wearing a mask and you're like, Jesus. I mean, for me, I'm like, do I really want the hassle of some wine mom coming up to me and nagging me down because I'm not wearing a mask? Like I, at some point I'm like, just give me the goddamn
0: mask. You know, it's like, it's, I just don't it, want to deal with it.
1: It, I, it was I, so
0: great I, when I, I was in Florida of like, I've gotten both my shots And I'd have to keep reminding myself, you know, once I'm outside, oh, I can take this off. It's so amazing, you know, that that you have a state where people are following the CDC guidelines. Everyone kept saying, oh, my God, DeSantis is going to kill everyone when when Florida has fared far better than so many of these blue states, far better. And it's just like it's amazing how there's just this reluctance among liberals thinking this is a political issue when they've been just pushing this idea of you have to trust the science you have to listen to the experts and the experts, in the science are saying, take your mask off when you're outside and vaccinated.
1: And they're like, no, <laughs> I mean, the ultimate problem there homes is like, at some point we just have to stop being cowed by these people, you know, cause no, it really I- is just the one per it's, it's the 1% of the liberals really. It's just like any sort of social situation where, you know, you got the one person who re- everything has to be their way. And they're really, really annoying on the PTA board or whatever. Like those are the sort of people who enforce this outside mask bullshit. Right. No, I agree. So I it's agree. like, we got, I I feel like what we got to do in DC is like start working up to like the chin diaper, you know, okay. the mat, the mask on the chin.
3: Yeah. You, so you know, you got
1: it. You just chosen not to wear it. Well, it's not, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm following CDC protocol. I'm wearing my chin diaper in case I go into a confined indoor setting in which it's required. Um, but I feel like that's kind of step one, right?
3: I feel like that's probably right. Well, listen, I'll like, let's back to the Derby. I know just, I mean, people had great stuff going on. I saw Tom Brady back in action, yep. like the stars were out. It just felt normal again. And, Smug, I'll give you credit for one uh, component of this. You did not pick the winner.
0: So, folks, I picked the winner. <laughs> didn't pick the winner. Everyone who listened to the previous show knows I picked the winner. I said you, you did not pick the
3: winner. But you did you did sing the praises of Bob Baffert, as yep. all of us did, but you were particularly effusive, which, again, never bet against Bob
0: Baffert in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, there's a few rules in life, you know, it's like death, taxes,
1: Sunday, Tiger and May Baffert.
3: That's right.
0: Just,
1: they always deliver, folks. It's, incre- it's incredible. It's incredible. I, we talked about it on the last podcast, but it was, it's almost like Bob was kind of sandbagging his own horse. He was like, yeah, I top think so. five, top, top, you know, top 10, but you know, he's not going to win it. And it's like, man, I, lo-
0: I love that he played it like that. I mean, the guy it, it, there, there's so much to appreciate about the guy. Number one, he's got like that, like boomer swag, oh, you know, dope. he's got the boomer cut on the suit shows up, gets the job done. And that he said it was total sandbagging. Duncan nailed it where he was like, yeah, you know, I gotta like our horses' shots because no matter what, no matter who you are, when you show up with your horse at the Kentucky Derby, you're like, okay, which horses are with Bob? You know, that's the one you got to keep your eye on. And he just like got in stealth like he's one of those dudes and I'm sure women there are, there are women like this too,
3: but he's one of those dudes that you notice their sunglasses yeah. always are perfect. Right? Yeah. You're right, like swag is like dude. Hey, dude what kind of sunglasses are those every literally every <laughs> yeah. time i'm like what kind of sunglasses are those and and because like this time he had like a two-tone blue tint to him yeah it was like uh you know they're like very few dude like eric church is one of them right where he, you look at his sunglasses you're like what kind of sunglasses are i want those sunglasses every time bob baffert shows up at the kentucky derby and it's never the same set of sunglasses I'm like, what are those?
0: Yeah,
1: he crushed, dude, the silver mane. Right. right, on the right. Track, he just crushes it. He looks like a majestic lion. <laughs> yeah, you know? dude. That is, really that's does.
0: the Baffert look. Yeah.
3: If so I look I, like know, he does when I'm 65, I'm going to be the happiest man in show business. Seriously.
0: Right. I mean, he's really got the job, dude. Just race horse. You just race the ponies. Drinking bourbon in Kentucky. You can't beat that.
3: Well, let's be honest. Doesn't look like he's like in the mud hauling them things around. Anymore, right. <laughs> I mean, he's presiding, but he's deserved it because good Lord, has he got a record. Unbelievable. Yeah,
0: Yeah. huge winner. Congratulations to him. I had a ball. I mean, you know, horse racing is one of those things that, you know, I can't recommend enough for folks to just, you don't have to be an expert. It's just enjoyable. And you don't have to know all the statistics and everything. You've got like 90 seconds, Drink drink a few beers with buddies, bet on the ponies. It's always a good time. Always
3: always a good time there are very very few events where you're encouraged to wear your absolute best outfit and binge drink as much as possible. Totally. <laughs> always need that excuse. <laughs> All right, so uh back in 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 last week's news, one more thing we needed to cover because our friend John Ashbrook of the program I think inadvertently found the one thing that may have driven Libs off the edge. <laughs>
0: It's incredible. Uh,
3: he tweeted out on a couple of occasions. I, the first one was inadvertent. The second was very purposeful. Um, the numbers for the Biden joint address versus Trump, Obama, Bush, and Clinton. And the end numbers, this is the total audience that that of people who watched these addresses. Uh, he was substantially behind, substantially behind.
0: And as soon as he tweeted the first one out, I, Libs just went nuts. They really went crazy. And that's how you know you've hit a gold mine. And the numbers that he put out. So like, uh, for example, Obama in 09 had 52 million viewers. Biden had 27. It, it, and it drove them crazy. And what I love about the responses from Libs, it's so telling. It, essentially, their message is, I don't have to watch it because like, I don't have to pay attention now because of Biden. It's like, wow. Says a lot about your interest in this country and like civic matters. Of you're like, oh, it's that vote blue no matter who. Like wine mom brainworms thinking of like, I don't care. Which I, you know what? Honestly, I hope they keep that apathy going into these midterms because it's already feeling like another shellacking is on the way. Like we're gonna we're gonna dominate in these midterms. But the way that they're like, I I didn't have to watch because uh, it doesn't matter. It's like yeah. Everyone knows what they got with Biden. They got like a zombie. No one wants to watch because who Who cares? <laughs> like it, he, he did an awful job by any measure. It was terrible.
1: Well, it's not
3: even in the same ballpark. I mean, Clinton in 93 had 67 million. Obama had 52 million. Trump had 48 million. Bush had 40 million. Biden,
0: 27. Yeah. Million. Yeah. Trump essentially doubled. Those numbers. And 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 even in, in, in the darkest places, they don't want to confront. Libs No, they would way rather watch Trump than Biden.
3: Way rather watch. Well,
1: Trump the, the thing I really love about it is it's just f- further proof that the Democrats are crazier about everything that they complained about when Donald Trump was president, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's just like <laughs> all these libs when Trump was president would be like, oh, you know, Trump's obsessed with ratings, you know, he's a TV reality show host and. Yada yada yada, but like you tweet out that Biden had poor ratings, and suddenly they're like Spicer out there defending the inauguration. Yeah, process. totally. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like how dare you? How how dare you? How dare
0: you? Irony <laughs> is so lost on these people. It's amazing. It's incredible. They, they have no idea, and it's it's but it's objectively
3: true. And for our friends in the media, you know, we, we have a lot of good relationships where we talk to people in the media and it's not just like CNN that's reporting their ratings down 70% or whatever they are. Like all the print people are down 20, 30, 40% too. I mean, Trump left, so did all of the viewers and the readers of politics. And uh, boy, oh boy. I mean, if I'm, look, if I'm in the lib movement, the idea that people have bought into what I'm trying to accomplish is certainly belied by a lot of numbers that don't suggest that's the case exactly um all right so we it's it's tuesday and we like to have a spicy show on tuesday and there's no better way to spice up this show than bringing in our very own hollywood hen hollywood hen how are you
2: i'm great ready to give you guys some good scoop for the day what do you got Well, I have a couple stories for you that I think will be interesting. Um, First up is Elon Musk is going to be hosting Saturday Night Live this Saturday, May 8th, with your girl, Miley Cyrus, actually, Holmes. Yes. Um, Holmes is a a big Miley Cyrus fan, for those who didn't know. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, But when it was announced that he was going to host, he got some serious blowback from journos and he got kind of shaded by some writers and um, cast members of, of SNL um, on the show and people didn't seem overly enthused to be working with him and so it's caused quite a stir and when Miley Cyrus was promoting um, the interview and tweeted out about it and she and Elon kind of had a little Twitter back and forth she was getting hammered by her fans saying you don't have to support this guy really yeah he said, you don't have to pretend to support him for the show. We know you don't really like him going crazy. So come on. This is so to, insane. He seems to have really struck a nerve um, with the, the pop lib pop culture. You know, I,
0: I think this is this is very telling. This is so telling. So, number one, I saw I saw some polling information that had like I want to say it was 70 percent of, of of the general public in the U.S. has a positive opinion of Elon Musk. Right? It's basically just like journos and like truly brainworm libs that hate him. This guy made a company that does electric cars to get rid of like fossil fuel emissions or whatever. And they're still like, Wow, this guy's Hitler. How do you support him, Miley Cyrus?
2: Why why do they my, why do they hate him so much? Just because he won't he's uncontrollable. He doesn't that's just, why.
0: Yeah. I th- you know what? I think you nailed it. It's a hundred percent that. Like the way that they are now like focused on getting corporations to bend to their will the fact that elon musk would rather like tweet about like dogecoin and and, like random bullshit than just being like you know what i will completely you know say whatever the left wants me to that's unacceptable the guy makes electric cars like what more of a thing could you do with your time to appease the left and it's still not enough which tells you just like disregard them never bow down totally Totally. I mean, he has been pretty red pilled and pretty, yeah. I mean, on social I appreciate media, that of him.
3: Yeah. But, but like more than anything is what you put your finger on both of you is that he's just absolutely refuses to bow to popular culture demands. Like he'll do whatever the hell he wants to do. Yep. And so, so they're running them out of time. How does Miley take it? Does she, does she try to say anything or what did no, she do? No.
2: So, um, she didn't comment in the story that I read, but they her people were like, Miley's used to controversy. It doesn't really phase her if people yeah. are upset about her tweets.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm talking about.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. That's my kind of rock that's, star. That, right that's there. the takeaway. It's like you just cannot listen to these people. They are completely irrational.
1: Well, right. Yeah. And and I thought like SNL used to be a subversive place where people went, yeah, you know, for a counterculture opinion. And now it's just sort of been absorbed into this like prevailing liberal popular culture it's just it's so pathetic and of course inevitable
3: well two things one credit to lauren michaels for putting him on right because to your to your point you're right it has always been a place where you could have sort of counter opinions and apparently that's what he's trying to do here but two look I, i think that we've got this is media today Everybody's built their entire subscribership, their viewer base, all of their advertising analytics based on a far-left progressive, you know, base of population. You know, our, our people are not hanging out watching NBC at 11 o'clock on at, at night. They're they're doing other stuff. They're people, that's what they're doing, right? They're subscribing to the Washington Post, the New York Times. They are watching, you know, all kinds of CNN and MSNBC. Can I
0: have, can I have my based take on that? Oh yeah, please. So number one, I've I've pushed this theory and I, I still believe it in my heart to be true to this day. Essentially, SNL is only watched by like journo's at this point. They're the only people who really care. Number two, the reason conservatives don't really watch SNL or care about it is because they have other things to worry about, like a family or like going to church on Sunday. They don't need to sit there and watch a show way past its prime whose only punchline is like, hey, guys, Orange Man bad, right? Clap, yeah. clap, clap. Like, no one cares. No one cares. They lost all their semblance of being this, like, edgy, on the cutting edge of comedy when that's all they have left. Like, 10 years, like, you know, I sound like a boomer here. Apologies to the youngsters. But if you watched SNL 10 years ago, they had jokes that had to be funny. It's crazy. They had to actually make people laugh. And now it's just like, yeah, now it's just like a a completely left wing political like powwow of, hey, guys, we're right. Orange man bad, right, guys? And that's all that they can try to do to get claps.
1: Well, yeah, that's absolutely right. Like the, the whole point of SNL was supposed to be irreverent. Like you're supposed to be able to make fun of everyone. And, and and everyone everybody's ox gets gored at some point like that's the whole point of comedy i think we've made more jokes about republicans on this show than snl has made jokes about democrats totally no question With, no question i mean like their joke on like elizabeth back during the primary their whole joke on elizabeth warren this was their edgy take which oh she's kind of a bookworm she's really prepared yep <laughs> that was their joke isn't that something like what you know, this is some behind the curtain
0: stuff, but like when we when we are are writing this show coming up with topics, we know we have to be entertaining. There's no like cheat code of where we can just say, Oh, orange man bad. Like we actually focus on trying to inform and entertain and SNL. That you know, their obligation has become completely you know opposite of what comedy is supposed to be, which is it's kind all, of pushing the envelope for last. Mug, it's all pop culture. Like,
3: I think SNL is just downstream from that. You know, maybe Lorne Michaels is trying to do that, fight it a little bit with this booking. But, I mean, all of pop culture,
1: you watch the Oscars, right? Mm-hmm. I yep. Mean, yep. Or, or
2: not watch the or Oscars. Or not watch the Oscars, Oscars. Right, yeah. Right, it's right. all
1: it's all pablum for seal-clapping liberals. It's just garbage. Yep. I love it. What else do we have, Han?
2: Well, the next topic, it troubles me greatly. I'm I was reading that jennifer lopez might be getting back with ben affleck
1: no i'm really hoping i'm
2: really hoping this is not true so i read an article that after her breakup with a rod she has been um seen with ben affleck a couple of times going to him for quote-unquote support they've been friends forever which is definitely not true because they were both like married to other people i highly doubt their friendship remained in t- remained intact over the past like decade
0: i support this so much no
2: no so, and so much. he was there he apparently came they did um this vax live concert over the weekend and he was there and i'm just really upset if this is going to be true because i want j-lo to get back with puff daddy no. ASAP.
0: no it's got to be ben affleck so like i i ben affleck i think is awesome uh i I was telling the guys this photo came out like a few weeks ago of of ben half like answering the door where he got like uber eats from duncan which is just like such a massachusetts thing to do but like he opens the door it's like nine in the morning or something he's got like a beer and a cigarette just picking up his donuts and coffee and all the guy wants to do is just like drink gamble and smoke that's all he wants to do like I don't think you can find a paparazzi shot of him in the past five years where he's not smoking a cigarette just looking like it's time to hit rock bottom
2: which normally I like kind of the like that kind of vibe for my celebs but for some reason them as a couple I just it just doesn't do it for me doesn't know if it was I don't know if it was like Gili or whatever that was I just feel like when they were together before it was just not JLo's best
1: so, hmm. Hen, Hen, whatever happened to Jennifer Gardner? I thought she was. I can't keep up on all this. I thought she was with Ben Affleck.
2: Yeah, so they got. They have three kids. They got divorced. Um,
1: She's great. I love. She, she, she said. She said that he
0: drank too much and gambled too much, which is why I one hundred percent take Ben Affleck's side.
2: You would 100%. take Ben Affleck over 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 J Lo and P- and Puff Daddy, though. Absolutely absolutely i feel like i feel like puff daddy and jaylo were like the pinnacle of all that was great about 90s and like the rap scene and pop culture and everything
0: it's bro code if you've got a guy who has obvious gambling problems and just likes to rip cigarettes all day that's whose side i take like without a doubt every time Every time I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying in in Jennifer
3: Lopez's interest, she's been hanging out with a professional athlete for the last few years. She's managed to defy gravity. She looks absolutely incredible. Yes. I think if she goes and hangs out with a dude, that's like, you know, drinking all hours a day, gambling and smoking,
0: she's probably (laughs) probably not going to keep that up. I don't know. I I support rock bottom dudes. That's Affleck, it. If that's you're listening, it. That, uh, I, I got a pack of parliament lights. Gas up the jet. Let's hit Vegas. I'm on. I totally I'm on. Sm- I, I,
1: I've been converted. I've been converted. <laughs> I'm on Smug side now. Because Ben Ben Affleck's definitely in his dad bod mode. Yes. So yeah. I mean, him being able to pull Jennifer Lopez. Still, I'm on board now. You've. I'm, I'm still. Here.
2: I'm just. I'm not going to believe this until it's really fully confirmed. I'm just hoping she's just. It's just a shoulder for her to cry on, and then she finds someone much better. I will say, I do want to bring up a <laughs> rod as if this guy could be a bigger loser <laughs> after after they broke up after it was announced that they broke up a rod went on instagram live or instagram video oh no and just did a video of all of the pictures of them together oh, in his house to, to the soundtrack of cold play's fix you oh my God oh, you guys
1: no that's some real cringe no. I, it
2: was I, I, I could not it was awful awful
1: wait so
3: I mean that good that actually, God it, that is cringe that, that, that it gives there's an actually cherry on top here is the fact that she is leaving him. For a Boston Red Sox fan who drinks beer and smokes cigarettes, all that time.
1: is pretty. Brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, maybe, it's
0: just, the, maybe it's just the, the get on the team. Yeah. Get on the team, Paul. You can't simp like that. Can you believe this? The guy's like playing Coldplay to pictures of them. Like, no, <laughs> you got to cheer for the bro with the drinking problem who likes to gamble and smoke. Like, uh, I like you very simple get choice. Side. Simple choice. Yeah.
2: All right, Smug's done a good job. I feel like of convincing of convincing most people <laughs> at this yeah. point. I yeah. do like, listen, if it is a troll, I don't want them to end up together for real, but if it's just a short period troll on A-Rod. I what could it feels like. Behind, yeah, I could get behind that.
3: Okay. All right.
2: Um, and then last, one quick update for you guys. It was reported over the weekend. Um, this is a Britney Spears update that um, her dad has claimed in some of the court documents that she suffers from dementia which might be one of the real reasons, um, or not, I don't think, I don't think that's real, but one of the reasons why the conservatorship has stayed in place for so long, because that's some of the health records that the judge is seeing. Um, so it's kind of like, everybody's been like, what's in those records? you know, we can't figure this whole thing out. And now (laughs) over the weekend it came to light that, um, He claims that she has she's suffering from dementia, and that might be one of the reasons why this has stayed in place for so long.
0: All right. So according to The Guardian, I'm I'm a lawyer. So my legal advice, (laughs) folks, don't take my legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. But my legal advice, Brittany, show up to court and say, listen. Having dementia doesn't discount me. Like our current president has dementia, he he runs the free world. I can absolutely run my finances.
1: Right, well, right. If 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 President has card. dementia, then Joe Biden should be in hospice care. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, she had like a residency in Vegas.
2: That's right? that's the thing. She's had a residency for years in Vegas. Has, and and she toured for a little bit too a couple years ago. It doesn't so make any sense. There's no way she could. Sing, remember, dance, co- very complex right. choreography and dance routines, and do all of this and have dementia. It's a wild claim.
0: <laughs> it's, be, it's so hilarious. It's so hilarious. Well, <laughs> like no, she is. Dad plays the dementia card. I mean, she was Britney.
3: with that line dude, right? I mean, that, um, that's, a, that's a, a, a mental disorder.
0: Dementia. <laughs> it's a Absolutely dementia proof but I would just be like, so dementia is a given. All right. You got to go beyond the dementia card and you have to say, listen, all right. So we got dementia. Big deal. Big deal. I can still run my own money. I could run the country. Brittany should primary Biden. That if I were her, that'd be my play.
2: A lot of people would actually support her in that race.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Brittany destroys Biden. 40 states.
3: Brittany's 100%. based as hell. She can't. She can't say it because she's a Hollywood. Uh, yeah,
2: remember she place. loves. She loved W. She yep. she supported the president mm-hmm. back in. Like
3: yeah. So are we going to hear from her or not? Like yeah. I'm so the other
2: news there is that um her lawyer is petitioning or asking the court if she she wants to speak in front of the judge and in front of the court, and so um they're trying to work that out now, and it could be um the hearing on June twenty third, Brittany might speak and tell her side of the story, which fingers crossed because we all need that because there's just too much fake news. He said, she said out there. So we really, I've I've put it on my calendar, June 23rd, big day.
3: Well, we know that Hollywood Hen will follow that uh, in and out and around the clock. Hollywood Hen, thank you for this update, it's fantastic.
2: Thanks for having me on.
3: Fellas, let's play a game. And I don't mean just a game. I mean, we need to play a game that we haven't played in several months. This is a big one. Yeah, it's spot the dem operative. Oh, this is a fun
0: one. It's tough. It's a tough one. I, oh, it's so tough. Essentially, it- the rules of the game are, you know, we have tweets read out, and, and we have to guess whether it is a dem operative or a, quote,
1: journal. Yeah. Right, right. Right. And and so I, I read them out and there's four tweets or statements, three of which are from journalists and one is from a Democratic operative and Holmes and Smug have to decide who is who.
3: And the beauty of this, I think this game is custom made for big events, right? Because it's the only time where you have literally all of the punditry talking about something so they really take their masks off because they're on tv all day they're on twitter all day and so they're ready to let it go it's not just sort of the in and out like you get this kind of from time to time but when you have a big event like a joint address it really comes to fruition i love this idea i love this game
1: okay um so you want me to read all four okay all right let's We'll get we started. Here. Should we go
0: one at a time? Should we? Should yeah, we one at a time, and we'll guess it. And then if it ends up being, I don't know. Well, it should be best of three, right?
1: No, I, 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 I think I think what we do is I, I will read all four, and then Holmes, you have to decide tweet one, two, three, four. Yep. Which one's the demo. Well, we can talk it through a little bit. Do you, you do the same? Yeah. No, I'm. I invite the commentary around each tweet. So let's go here with tweet number one. Hearing it all laid out, it's pretty astonishing how much has tangibly changed in Americans' lives in the first hundred days of this presidency. More than a million new jobs, $1,400 checks, and most importantly, vaccines now available to every American. (laughs) That's tweet number one.
3: Oh, it's going to be that's, tough. That's very tough. That feels very demoperative. I mean, it's look, that's what they said is the top line talking point in the fact sheet the White House put out. Right. So.
1: Mm, OK. Tweet number two. History will show he was indisputably. The right president for this critical moment. So proud. Hashtag join address. So proud.
0: (laughs) This is insane. That better. I mean, I think what's insane is it's so difficult to decide whether this is a journal or an operative. It's insane. That's pathetic. Tweet number three.
1: It is hard to imagine any other contemporary politician making the speech Joe Biden did Thursday night both channeling our collective sorrow and reminding us that there is life after grief
3: <laughs> it's it this i'm not going to go over the top it's, it's oh, i'm going to give away
0: my thinking on that one i'm going to give away my thinking west wing yeah this is someone whose brain has been corrupted by west wing thinking <laughs> west wing is real and not a joke that's but that's journo west wing right there yeah it's yeah. so that's giving that's i mean the thing is is that i was thinking the exact same thing is the problem with journos there's there's so many one of them is they're all like early 20s growing up thinking west wing is real and not as it was intended west wing is supposed to be a comedy you're supposed to laugh <laughs> they all thought it was real and like now they want to be journals that's the problem i agree that's that's total journo
1: Romantic.
0: It's very romantic. romantic. Unreal. What is wrong with these people?
1: Tweet number four. It's honestly, genuinely rare that a president can give a speech like this 99 days into his term and point to this scale of achievement. Some of that is the good luck of timing, but they've made promises and then kept them on the biggest stuff they ran on.
3: Oh, man okay so how do you want to work this i mean just i'm i'm blown away by this all four. i got my
0: picks that is just like all
1: of them were disgusting isn't it? the me. curation i really appreciate yeah. the curation you know you know the team works very hard
0: well done um do you if want you me to being start? honest all four should be operatives that's that's how sad well, the state are. of our journalism is smug that's they right, are that's right they are and that's the secret um. All right,
3: so I'll walk you through my thinking. Okay. Okay. On one, hearing it all laid out, that sentence says to me something that no operative would concede. All dem operatives that I know pretend, whether they know it or not, to be in the know that they've already been briefed yep. on the contents of the speech. You wouldn't hire them if they weren't in the inner circle. So it, hearing it all laid out is something they cannot say, even if they wanted to. Wow. Two. No, let <laughs> me skip it. Three. We covered it. Definitely a journal because of the West Wing. And then four, I feel like it almost has to be a journo, again, because there's it's separation from the event. They're they're talking about some of it is good luck. Mm -hmm. I don't think that any operative would concede good luck on the Democratic side. Republican operatives, we concede good
0: luck all the time. Democrats, they're just joyless assholes. They really are. And their operatives are the worst. And I they, know many of them listen. You they know.
3: will tell you that it has nothing to do with luck when it has everything to do with luck. So that leaves me with number two. I believe that number two is the operative.
1: Okay.
0: So, uh, Duncan, can you reread one?
1: I can. Hearing it all laid out, it's pretty astonishing. How much has tangibly changed in Americans' lives in the first hundred days of this presidency? More than a million new jobs, fourteen hundred dollar checks, and most importantly, vaccines now available to every American. I had that as journal. What did
0: you have? What did you have, Holmes?
3: Yeah, that was a journal because of the hearing. It all laid out. Yeah. They would
0: never separate themselves. What, what was the answer, Duncan?
1: No, smug, you have to give your I, I
0: gave Journo. That was, my guess was Journo. Well, no, I,
1: I I I know, but you have to say which one you think is the dem operative. He level. wants the overall. Oh, oh, okay.
0: So number one, I have journo. Number two, I have operative. Uh number three, I have journal. Number four, I have journo.
1: You both nailed it. Yes. Journo. Yep. Number one, Journo. We are good at this stuff. You are very good. Very, very good. So I will so- uh
3: So tell me, can can I get a, can we get a revelation of who the operative is?
1: Uh, The operative is Adrian Elrod. Oh, yeah.
3: Yep. Yep. And read it just one more time, just so we have a good flavor
1: for an operative. History will show he was indisputably the right president for this critical moment. So proud. Hashtag join address. So so number
0: one was number one was operative.
1: No, no, no. That was that was tweet two. Okay,
0: okay, yeah, yeah. Number two, I had is
1: operative. Yeah, Adrian Elrod is an operative for our listeners at home. Yep, I have that down.
3: And the key, the key to that is the so proud, and not because the the other one through four are not so proud, but because as an operative, she wants to take credit for whatever remedial role that she may have played in electing this president right so i if, did this yeah so everything in that was indistinguishable for a journal except so proud
0: let's get a read on 3 then number 3 uh, i i had his journal
1: oh this was the west wing take
0: yeah Holmes, he had his journal too because of the west wing right yeah uh
1: that was political playbook
0: Wow, come on Yikes So we nailed it But my Mm. god, that's pretty sad
1: Mm. I'll just read that one again Because it's sort of remarkable It is hard to imagine Any other contemporary politician Making the speech Joe Biden did Thursday night Both channeling our collective sorrow And reminding us That there is life after grief Oh, Jesus I would never thought I'd see that in playbook
0: these people are shameless. I
1: never thought I'd see that in playbook. It is it is remarkable to me what Biden has sort of developed here as far as a rhetorical strategy goes. It's sort of this performative exhaustion, where he just sort of whispers along the speech, like it's obvious these are the things we're supposed to be doing. It's actually yeah. kind of kind of a good strategy. It's sort of like, come on, oh. We gotta spend this six trillion dollars. Obviously, you know what I mean. He's got both hands in your pockets. Right. 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 Yeah. So that one was playbook. Um, number one, the hearing it all laid out tweet that was a uh, Charlotte Alter from uh, Time Magazine. Got wow. it. And who was number four? Number four was. A, uh, a real friend of the program Oh uh, Chris Hayes Oh, <laughs> oh Perfect yeah. yeah I had to put a Chris Hayes in there I thought you'd appreciate that Holmes. Wait so
0: uh, I nailed it So number one is a journo Yep Number two is an operative Right Number three is a journal Right Number four is a journo
1: That's right I did nailed it
0: anybody,
3: anybody Holmes did else, you get them all? Anybody else feel like Smugs maybe
0: had a tough time following along on this He hasn't thing. really followed the game too well <laughs> We could have done it the easy way, one question at a time. I don't like to read, folks, but I, I but I nailed it. So so yet again I win, yeah, right? You're a winner. Yeah, yeah there we am. go. Just like Round of her. applause. Just like I said to everyone, you know, Baffert's horse wins. I said, <laughs> hands down.
3: <laughs> oh oh. okay. All right. So Moving right along, there is very important news that came out of Texas over this weekend. And if you listen to the Ruthless podcast, you damn well knew that this was about to happen because we've been talking about this for absolute months. While the rest of the country of punditry and lib journos and all of the nonsense that you hear in the American media about about Trump versus Cheney, about uh, the rift in the GOP, about how is the Republican Party ever going to be pieced back together again well surprise effing surprise texas the first election out of the gates was a blowout for republicans let's go let's go let's go and it's a blowout on all the right reasons there wasn't like some terrible democratic candidate it wasn't like there was issues that were being debated that were separate from the national issues that we're discussing It's not like there was something that's just completely unrelatable to what we're having in national politics. It was a a congressional race. And then it was a couple of ballot questions that I think in my view, and Duncan and Smug, you let me know what you think, but in my view, set a table for what it is that Republicans are doing right now and why it is that I believe in my view, we're going to have a
1: massive midterm. Yeah, no, I I agree 100%. So first, To the issue of the uh, Texas sixth special election, it was a it was a jungle election. Right. So all the Republicans and the Democrats ran on the same ballot, um, you know, to see who would would fill that vacant seat. Um, The thing that's really interesting to me is, you know, this was a plus six district for for Donald Trump, which is, you know, great. Republicans took 61.9% of the ballot in yep. this special. Blew them yeah. out of the water. And that's
0: the thing is, don't take the bait. The media wants to push this fake narrative of, there's a Republican civil war. Oh my God, Republicans are hopeless. This is proof of what we've been telling you. Don't take the bait. We, If, if we stand united, we are going to crush these clowns in the midterm so hard, so hard. And this is proof positive of what we've been telling you.
1: Right. And, and, and you you say, oh, well, you know, it's just it's just one special election. You know, it's it's we're a long way off from the midterms. Who knows if this, you know, if we can forecast into the future. And obviously we can't. But some interesting things here is this, you know, this is a district where the the demographic makeup is only 52 percent white. You know, this isn't some rural mm-hmm. district where everyone's like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, the Republicans are going to do well. No, this was a suburban district where the Republicans blew the doors off. And now we're going to have a runoff in this special with two Republicans. Because yeah. the top two, the top two in this jungle uh, election go on to a runoff. No Democrat.
3: It In a district, this is worth repeating, that we struggled with in 2020. Struggled with. What was the? You said six. I thought the margin was three that Trump won Texas. Um, It 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 might be. I mean, whatever it was, it was close enough that people had eyes on it all the way through, right? And the the fact of the matter is, what was an incredible nail biter six months ago, we're now talking about a twenty five point race, which Democrats are entirely locked out of in a runoff.
0: Yeah, you got to love that jungle primary.
3: I mean, <laughs> but the, you know, certain sure as death and taxes, the Lib Journos
1: come racing to an explanation, right, Ducks? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It was obviously a tight race in 2020. But we have, uh, you know, the pundit class basically hand-waving away the implications for the Democratic Party writ large for the midterms. We had Dave Wasserman say, the DCCC et al. will get some flack for sleeping on Texas 6, leading to this poor showing. But strategically, they were right to not throw away millions. Texas R's will get to redraw it before 2022. So it doesn't matter for the majority. (laughs) Imagine, imagine that your job is to analyze election results
3: and extrapolate them out to what it may or may not mean for the rest of the country, maybe underlying political trends the like that's your job. That's your job. Right. And
1: his analysis is well done matter doesn't matter doesn't (laughs) matter anyway. My job isn't important.
3: There's a 17 point swing in
0: six months. And he's like, same population. It's insane. It's insane that the takes that they have to try and come up with to explain this. When we are looking at, if we stay united, it's a tidal wave. We got a (laughs) tidal wave on the way and they just don't want to see it. (laughs) I
3: mean, it's incredible. Ben Jacobs had one too. He said, uh, would note that this. Also, one aspect where a lockout in Texas six might be a net plus for Dems. Incredible. If they made the runoff and then got blown out in a suburban Trump plus three district, it would have a really awful, awful omen for the midterms. Again,
1: yeah. again.
0: we already had the omen. Yeah. This,
3: this like, was
1: the fucking omen. What are getting, we talking omen, about?
0: Getting locked out of, of election The, lockout's day the omen. is not an omen. Like, <laughs> but this wake is, no, but up, this dummy. Is, this is the telling on yourself part. Yeah, right? Right. This is yep, why you that know is it.
3: that these people are so full of shit. Yeah. Because what he's talking about is the perception in his newspaper actually playing a role in how people vote, which nobody fucking reads. Right? Nobody cares what you say in your newspaper. It's how you actually vote. How mm-hmm. they voted was a 17 point, sw- no, 25 point swing.
0: Yeah, I can't reiterate this enough, folks. This is a district that was 22% Hispanic, 20% Black, 5% Asian, and the Dems were completely locked out of a runoff. Wow. I
3: mean, but there's there's more. But wait, there's more. (laughs) There's more. So they've also got other issues, and it turns out Texans don't want to become California right you loved one see of them it. one of them that you were watching closely duncan was in austin a place that you lived at one point
1: i did i did uh, austin um uh reinstated the public camping ban uh this is prop b um you know the the issue was basically you had you know w- when they they had this public camping you know homeless people would camp just any anywhere across the city and it was really you know, hurting local businesses and, and it wasn't actually solving, you know, the problem of homelessness in Austin.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to, 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 to let folks know this is, this is a town that has a ton of resources and homeless shelters. Right.
1: But what they had done basically is San Francisco had exported its liberal policy to Austin you know, we we were talked in, in one of the recent episodes about you know Miami and Florida and how great it was. And you hope that these new people coming in and move in don't bring their liberal policies with them. Well, Californians did bring it to Austin. Yep. And and the voters of Austin, after getting a real good look <laughs> at what that liberal policy does to their city, said no. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is fantastic.
3: Yeah, and hats off to Matt McCoviac down there, the this, this county party chair, uh, who's been ringing this bell for a long time. I've noticed it on Twitter. I never thought he'd win because of all of the, you know, sort of liberal enclaves that have developed as a result of people coming in from California. But they won.
0: I mean, but like, like you look in, you look in New York City. I had a friend who lived in the Upper West Side who who would have these horror stories of. The city was just like moving this homeless population into the Upper West Side. Uh, they did not take the approach I think should be taken of where, you know, you provide resources, you let these people get rehabilitation if they're on drugs or whatever. No, they're like, we're going to put them up in hotels, free to do whatever they want all day long. And that ends up in an absolute mess. You know, if, if you don't, I, I think the liberal mindset is actually the opposite of what is humane of where they're like, hey, you know, don't provide these folks with treatment. You know, let them just do whatever they want. You know, don't provide any kind of a support system. It's OK. It's almost like how they were saying knife fights are normal. It's like,
1: right. Yeah. Letting people shoot heroin on
0: the sidewalk is very
1: normal. Right. It's this patronizing, soft-headed, do-goodedness mm-hmm. of liberal policy. That's exactly it. That, that that exacerbates the problems in these communities. Absolutely. 100 percent. You hit the nail on the head. It doesn't solve any of this stuff, and it wasn't just the camping issue in Austin. They also voted against what they were calling the strong mayor prop. Oh yeah, what what was that again? Well, so basically, would empower uh, you know um, Mayor Adler to have more authority, and the voters of Austin were like, "No, nah, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. you've done enough, sir."
3: Wasn't he the original uh, COVID camper, the, the yeah. guy that? that right. it took off for somewhere else in the middle of the initial right. lockdowns?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And the thing that's really interesting here, guys, and it's like back to what we were saying earlier about how how the media wants us focused on Trump versus Cheney and is there dissension within the Republican Party, what you're actually finding is there's actually some of these liberals who are pretty common sense at the local level. Yep, right. And we've been talking about this for months with the schools issue, Right with getting yep. schools reopened is that if you could go to the local level, the grassroots level and, 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 and talk to voters one-on-one, you could convince even some of these Democrats that what these liberals in power want to do is wrong. Right. And it's not just in Austin, in Dallas. Well, um, oh, hold on, but wait, there's more, exactly. there's more, there's more in Dallas. Um, Two school board candidates were elected by a 70% uh, margin in the school board race opposing critical race theory.
3: They wa- they ran uh, apparently almost exclusively on opposition to critical race theory.
1: Exclusively. Hannah Smith, Cam Bryan, both who are vocal opponents of critical race theory, received nearly 70% of the vote in their respective races in the Dallas area. This is Carroll Independent School District. You'd love to see it.
0: You know, so I, I've seen some messaging on this. Like NBC had that had that tweet that just got ratio to hell and destroyed saying that like Republicans oppose anti-racism. It's like, no, here's a messaging. Republicans oppose neo-racism because that's what CRT is. Critical race theory is neo-racism. They want to segregate. You know, uh, college graduations. They 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 want to divide and conquer. So when you think of of CRT and and all the garbage that they're putting into public schools, it's neo racism. That's the label that should be applied to it.
3: That that's what it is. I mean that that's definitely what it is. And you see it starting to pop up here on the national level too. I mean, this has been bubbling around in school districts across the country. We've seen it in Virginia and and elsewhere that we've covered on the program. And then last week there was a. a a regulatory proposal that came out that I think, I don't know if I have this exactly right, but the Biden administration essentially wanted to award grants to school districts that engage in the 1619 project, right? Or or elements of the critical race theory, which of course is exactly what we've been talking about all along. And you saw a huge number of Senate Republicans, McConnell and and a huge crew step up to say they're gonna fight that all the way through. This is what we've been talking about all along, right? There are these issues at a local level that are beginning to bind, that are transit translating up to a national level, that Republicans are actually fighting. They're not worried about Donald Trump and, and Liz Cheney. They're not. They're worried about their kids getting an education. They're worried about their ability to save money for their future, pay for their education, pay for their for their homes. Their food, the the inevitable inflation that comes with six trillion dollars worth of spending. That's what conservative people are actually paying attention to. They don't give a shit what the punditry has to say about the inner party civil war.
0: Yeah, I mean the kitchen counter issues. We are going to win on so hard the way that like Biden has kept the schools closed because the teachers unions tell him to. The way that. uh Common sense stuff like we don't want homeless people who who need help for their drug problem on our sidewalks attacking people. Like look at what's happened in San Francisco. San Francisco is a prime example of where you know their DA has essentially legalized crime because that's what the liberal base believes is, is the right play. Folks are not going to put up with that. We're going to win on all of the uh, kitchen counter issues as long as we avoid this trap the media is trying to set of a false narrative of Republican civil war just doesn't exist.
3: And, and the thing is, the smart Democrats already know it, right? You you hear like the James Carvilles of the world. Yeah. You know, they all of a sudden they come out and they're like, ah, this is kind of a problem folks. We need a course correction. Like the smart Democrats know that they're already headed in a terrible direction. It will take a year, maybe more for the national punditry to get to a point where they're like, I wonder if Democrats might have a problem here. mark your calendar on this podcast and then look back a year from now and you'll be like oh wow
0: yeah they were i mean mean, that's the thing is like all these newsrooms are just like unionized and uh, they're all larping as if they work in like the coal mines and steel. like (laughs) you're at your desk just like dropping blog takes like no, but they all want to LARP, even though they went to like Ivy League schools. As if, oh, we need to unionize, and it's got to be people power. They have, they have, they're completely out of touch of of regular Americans, and that's why you're seeing them miss so big.
3: Yeah, there's no way to identify with anyone. But speaking of of people who have absolutely no way of identifying with your average American, I got a kick out of Pete Buttigieg yesterday. I mean. So this dude's job, apparently, is to implement the trains agenda (laughs) from the Biden administration, which as best I can tell is an infrastructure plan entirely derived from the fact that there's an 80-year-old guy in the White House who used to ride a train to work every day. So now the rest of America has to deal with the (laughs) choo-choo. The choo-choo.
0: It's so insane. This is what they're focused on. Like we can't get this, we can't get kids back in schools, but we got to spend billions so that Buttigieg can have his choo-choo trains.
3: So here, here's what he said. Here's what he, here's what choo-choo choo-choo Buttigieg says. When we envision travel for the next fifty years, the train should be a common sense option. The rumble of the rails, the freedom of looking out the train window, should once again be known. To be as all-American as the open
0: road. This is hilarious. I mean, are you kidding me? You've got to be. Ki- you've got to be kidding me. My message to to Buttigieg's parents is: you should have bought the kid a train set. <laughs> now he's trying to commit billions to build these trains he just wants his choo choo trains folks he wants his choo choo because schools old, listen it doesn't matter if schools are open or not we got to get buddha judge his choo choo trains the old man needs his choo
1: choo so yeah. buddha judge has got to yeah. deliver he's he's like romantic about a time in america that hasn't existed for 50 years it was years. like
0: the 1800s yeah it's like all right we just got to bring back the choo choo trains folks I, everything will be okay as long as we, i i've said it before and I'll say it again, folks. And this is a fact. We have to focus on jetpacks. <laughs> the future of transportation is not the choo-choo training; It's the jetpack. <laughs> think about traffic, folks. Think think, think about every time you're stuck in traffic, if you had a jetpack, you'd already be there. You'd already be there. When I was uh, uh, in, in Florida, it's like a 35-minute drive to get from South Beach to downtown Miami. Nope, jetpack in three minutes. It's a shame are you know billions are being proposed for choo-choo trains when we could have jetpacks? This is what they took from us. <laughs> it is
1: it will- incredible when you think about how the liberals sort of made fun of, you know, space force and stuff. Like, oh, yep. that was that was ridiculous. Yep. But yeah. they they want us to go back to the train. The no, I mean train. it's
3: like it's like if you unless you're singing Arlo Guthrie hanging out on the train bench, you've got nothing going on. I mean, are you kidding me? Talk about a lack of imagination. You know, yeah. Kennedy talks about going to the moon. We got Trump with his space force. He's like, hey, we need some trains. <laughs> <laughs> <We> need trains. <laughs>
0: Come on. What a take. Like, they can't get schools open because the unions won't, the teachers unions won't let them. And they're like, nope. All right, yes, choo juju trains. That's our best idea. They have a meeting and they're like, all right. All right, what are we going to propose for infrastructure, folks? And you've got Buttigieg in a, like, conductor hat playing with his toy say he's like i got it choo-choo trains shoveling, that's the future shoveling
3: coal into the furnace yeah. he's,
0: he's like listen choo-choo trains guys have you guys seen cabooses like i 100% guarantee i i've seen many episodes of thomas tank engine and it's choo-choo trains and everyone's like you know what blue dead judge great idea biden's like that guy gets it it's insane like i think that is the the craziest point is like we're looking at two years of kids not being in school. And they're like, no choo-choo trains are infrastructure. Oh, I mean,
3: we got to deal with this nonsense for four years, which is just incredible. I hope, I hope to God, we can figure out how to block all this nonsense. Could you imagine trying to
0: retrofit choo-choo trains into something <laughs> that actually work for American people? <laughs> oh. it's, I mean, I'm telling you, it's a sell mindset. These people know nothing about what everyone west of the mississippi is thinking outside of hollywood they don't get it but it also tells you how vacant
3: the bootage is right as a guy who's mayor of south bend can you imagine putting a choo-choo like a choo-choo is how you get everywhere in in indiana like come on man he knows better than that but he's but you know what he's he's there to play the game he got an assignment
0: so now yep. it's rumble of the rails. That's what. Oh, it is. as if
3: he has this deep. Is he have this
0: deep? Like yeah, throughout history, connection he has this deep hit- to the oh the connection to choo choo trains. He's oh. like, listen, I waterboarded a lot of people in my CIA black site, and all that <laughs> occurred to
1: me is choo choo trains. Alleged,
2: alleged,
0: <laughs> alleged.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, what I gotta an say, it's an his rumble of the trains was an extraordinary rendition.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a hardcore. But that—I that, mean, honestly, I think that's a wrap, right, folks? We, we, I think we, so, we buddy. Give people what they paid for. That's a, that's that's been a banger of an episode. And folks, we we appreciate our, our our listener numbers continue to go up. So we are so appreciative to our listeners and the many guests. Our our guest lineup—we don't want to spoil it, but uh, our guest lineup coming up is really going to be
1: and Next and level. and and appreciative for for Hugh Hewitt. Yeah. The guy had y'all on his radio show and he's been, you know, promoting the program. Apparently he's a huge listener and a big fan and we really appreciate that a lot. It's keep it's boosting our numbers. We love it.
3: As we are of his. I mean, I've been looking, listening to Hugh forever and he's been so on top of it for so long. I can't tell you how appreciative I am for him saying nice things
0: about the program. And if you haven't listened to that interview, you should definitely hit up HeWitt's website. Listen to it. It was it was fantastic. So I think that's a wrap on this one, gentlemen. Another great episode in the can. So until next time, manians, keep the faith, hold the line and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.